0: You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back to episode 155 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on January 18th over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at biases. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host Blue Crew 86. Next up we have our own master social media, the one and only Green-eyed music lover. Green, I hope you're doing all right. How has the week treated you so far?
1: It's been rather relaxing and productive. I actually took the plunge today and decided I was going to go play comedy. And believe it or not, I went 10 and 0 um on the first part of the Lunas quest, the Lunas Hal quest, because of the new matchmaking style. I know if I would have tried this like a month and a half ago, it would have been a totally different story. But I don't feel like the matchmaking is terrible now. Like, I actually feel like I'm learning as I'm going up in rank, rather than just getting stomped as soon as I get into matchmaking. But yeah, that's what I got going.
0: Yeah, so I've seen that kind of bumping around on twitter it's a pretty contentious topic Mm -hmm. right now um but i think changes changes in general are always contentious right which is what we'll kind of be talking about tonight actually
1: right and the biggest complaint that used to be what was being had is that a lot of people who were at level like the very beginning levels at guardian level were getting matched up with people who were doing legend were legendary and like doing mythic and stuff like that, so they were so much further ahead that they kept getting just rolled, steamrolled every single game. So I'm I'm impressed with the changes. I enjoy the changes. I actually can contribute to my team, so that is always helpful to me.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. I don't well. Rounding out the usual team, we have our good buddy, the lore content cop himself, Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing?
2: All right. uh, I think I will leave it at it has been a week. And yeah, Purple, take it away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) finally, once again in the hot hot seat as guest co host, we have our good friend from the Ishtar Academy over at the Ishtar Collective, Purple Chimera. Purple, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing fine. Thank you. I'm really struggling this week because. um reloading is a thing i was using crimson for a really long time oh, and then i got this duke and i was like why am i always running out of bullets and then oh, like, no. reloading is a thing you need to find a trust
1: through. find a trust it's a little faster do you have at least like a a faster reload because Duke Chen tends to be such a slow.
3: I mean, it has Outlaw and Rampage. Okay, okay, but like I still have to press the reload button, which I didn't (laughs) have to do before. I still have to remember to push the thing. Yes.
1: Okay. I hear
3: you on that. That's my struggle this week. (laughs)
1: There's nothing worse than getting into an encounter and like being like, "Oh, I got you!" Got the drop on them, and then realizing you have no ammo. And you are just pulling an empty trigger
0: at them. See, I always was the person that I couldn't. That's the reason I always had trouble with Borderlands guns because the Borderlands guns were always the ones that you couldn't like reload. You had to throw them. And I am a compulsive. Not all of them. The ones that are really fun to play with, I'll put it that way. Yeah,
1: um, okay. but I am
0: a I am a compulsive reloader. So, like, I'll shoot like twice. I am like, I've oh, got to reload. Like, it's, nope, nope, it's not my OCD is not okay if it's like not that full clip. And I'm just like running around. I can't. So I can't drop
1: do it. mag is not a good thing for you. No,
0: it is not a good thing. I'm like, I see that perk, <laughs> or I see that thing. I'm like, nap, nap. Get it out. Get it out. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna see a benefit from that particular investment.
1: Oh gosh, it's so much faster.
0: I don't know where I was going to go with that. Anyway, so from for this episode, I don't don't know. My brain just my my brain just turned off Um, for this episode. Green was kind enough to ask the community about um, she was brave enough to ask this community about their biases. And I believe there was a pretty, uh, pretty vocal response.
1: You know, yeah, it was vocal. And lo and behold, the very first response was my my bias is that Titans are the greatest. Because um, that was 12 seconds after I posted it. I was like, of course a Titan's going to put that as soon as I post it. But we had some good responses besides the whole typical class bias that people tend to have. And granted, we're not talking about class bias in, in this episode necessarily. We're talking about um, bias of perspective and whatnot. But a lot of people were... Um, How's the best way to put this? Some people have a bias in the way that they're approaching the game now because of how often the they feel that the community or the developer has, quote-unquote, let them down. So they're approaching the game with a bias in that respect, that they're being either extra judgy or feel that they get triggered at the littlest things now. Um Gosh, what else was there? Bias. Oh, this one I've seen a few different times. The, the greatest of foxes. Gray uh, fox forlorn. So that I'm biased towards Dredgen and the Guardians following the Drifter because of a gun or title. I've barely played Gambit for lore and, gambit and gameplay reasons, but I am biased and I won't support a shady character's plans. I've even deleted the quest for Malfeasance. Don't want it. Nope. And I've had this conversation with a few different people because I proudly wear the badge of Dredgen. And I'm I'm really excited to see if they make that um, consequential moving forward. Like those of us who wear Dredgen and continue mm. with Dredgen
0: mm.
1: versus those of us who are not.
0: A drifter's gambit. Mm-hmm. Final, final, (laughs) final letter from A Drifter's Gambit is it's. I'm hoping that they do follow through with that because that's going to be really interesting. I'm
1: excited. I'm excited to get my butt handed to me, frankly, because that's what I want to see happen. I mean,
2: um, it's all made up anyway, so I mean.
1: uh, uh
0: <laughs> real quick just, green i I I'm just did.
2: gonna i'm just gonna kill that real fast <laughs> I guess. okay okay yes. but you know, just to expand on my small thing like we're gonna talk about bias tonight y'all might hate me when all is said and done
0: well and i think that that actually segues into what i was going to toss in um real quick you know just just an overall definition of what a bias is because i think that can get kind of um it's it's like I'm I'm gonna get in so much trouble. It's like retcon. It's misused a lot, uh, and it's used somewhat incorrectly a lot of times to defend stuff that's not necessarily. Um, so a bias is of, often synonymous with like a prejudice or a um, opinion. Or an influence or something like that. And and actually the definition is it's a prejudice in favor of or against one thing person or a group compared with another, usually in a way considered to be unfair. However it also means to cause or feel or show inclination or prejudice for or against someone or something. So it's not necessarily always a negative thing. Just similar, and this feels like a lot like our conversation uh, about retcons, right? There, there are there are <laughs> shades of what this word can mean. Usually, when people used um, use the term, it is in regards to like that disproportionate um, and unfair favor that you kind of feel either for or towards something, um, or an inclination of like how you feel. But the other thing too, to remember about biases is that a lot of biases are learned like these aren't, I mean, there, there are, so arguably there are some biases that are, um, in, no, there's not. Biases are all learned. It's just in either it's a conscious learning or an unconscious learning. like your your experiences throughout your life will definitely flavor your worldview, your what's called a paradigm. Uh, and that paradigm is the important thing with biases to remember is that biases are not necessarily facts. They are not truth. Um, now they can, They can coincide with it like they there are some biases that tend to coincide with facts, but they are in and of themselves beliefs. And so it's very you have to be very careful when you're expressing a bias or expressing opinion, because that's exactly what it is. Right. It's it's an opinion. It's your perspective on a situation and you know, to kind of harp on that a little bit more, no one knows the full context of a situation if it's not their situation, right? I can't tell you, I can tell you that, you know, beard, you know, to kind of pick up on something, beard is being quiet this morning or this evening. So there might be something going on with beard, but I don't know what is going on with beard. You know, uh, if I meet a friend and they, they look like they've been crying, They've been crying. I understand that. I pick up on that, but the cause of that crying, it could be, you know, people cry for a lot of different reasons, and I don't know that context. So, you have to be careful of the assumptions that you take going into a situation, which is what colors what's again called a paradigm. And a paradigm is basically, and the image of the banner I see, people were um, chatting about that in chat uh, or in the in the text chat of the the live stream. The image of the banner was actually kind of a nod to that. It's the concept of what's usually called a rose, rose-tinted glasses, right? And that's, that's a throwback to Wizard of Oz, which I'm not going to go down that particular rabbit hole because it's a really interesting story. But anyways, the thing to remember about opinions or cognitive biases or para- your paradigm, whatever you want to call it, prejudice, however you want to call it, is that it colors the way you see things. But it doesn't necessarily change what you're seeing, or it doesn't. Let me let me rephrase. It colors and can augment how you perceive something, but the thing that you are perceiving is not going to be necessarily affected by how you see it. How you react to how you see it can it can't affect that, but the event that you are perceiving is still happening, and there is context outside of your awareness. That you have to be aware, like that you have to understand that you do not know everything, right? In order to look at something, you have to stand at a point to look at. And in standing at that point, you are going to miss some of the context. Uh, the easiest way to explain this is if I am standing at a corner and I see a car wreck, I can see one side of the car wreck. But I, I by, de, by my own existence, I cannot locate and see all angles of that particular car wreck. And that's where that's where the kind of the beauty that kind of segues back into really what we try to do here with Focus Fire. You know, we we try to bring in the more people you bring into a situation. Yeah, that's it's, it can get messy and it can get loud and confusing, but also the more perspectives you get and the more perspectives ultimately get a better picture, right, of what's going on. So I think that's just a, that that would be my kind of introductory rant. To biases. I don't know, purple, if did I miss anything or misspeak?
3: <laughs> well, no, no, I don't think you misspoke. I think the only thing that I bring up a lot when I talk about bias is that it's you're not going to be able to get rid of your bias in any situation completely because of all the things that you just talked about. But I think the more important thing rather than remove, because people try to remove, they're like, oh, let's take away all the biases and we'll just write truth. But that's not how life works. Mm -hmm. So it's more important, I think, to be aware of your biases and acknowledge them. Um, I've talked about this before when I've talked about bias in the past, um, where like when we write a history paper, Right, a well-written history paper will acknowledge the biases of the author at the very beginning, so you know going in what it's what their biases are, and then and it helps you find a more neutral position when you're reading their papers. It's when you try sure to hide your biases that you get into lots of said trouble. People say that more often.
2: Yeah,
3: well, <laughs> well, okay,
0: <laughs> but I mean, to be fair, that is that is very common in a lot of like strong academic works. Is usually you have it in the preface that of especially like, especially the dissertations and stuff that I've read, at least, because most of the most of those, to be fair, are psychological. So that's it's kind of hard to quantify things that is not by nature quantifiable. Um, so a lot of times there's a preface in which that is actually discussed, and you know, I think that's I think that's spot on to be fair. It's like you're never. If you ever got to a point where you didn't have a bias, you wouldn't be perceiving anything.
2: Uh, it, it's very rare as well to have people that will think on both sides of the story, Like, it, especially even to, uh, as I see people nowadays as well in arguments and whatnot, it comes down to looking into uh, the other side of the story to end up getting a more fuller picture of what's going on. That doesn't mean you're going to lose your biases or lose your overall view, uh, but to get that secondary viewpoint can really also help with uh, constructing your own vision and even altering how your vision is. Uh, and so often I feel like people are um, they're unwilling to change that opinion, I guess. They're unwilling to alter how they might have viewed something beforehand, even if it does amplify or exemplify what they were thinking beforehand, or even just like more often than not, clarify what it is that they're after. Like these are words that I have brought up, I think, several times over the last several months. Uh and they they are they are towards in some cases specific people and in other cases they are towards a majority. Uh, when I start talking about clarification versus a retcon, when I start talking about mm-hmm. uh, looking into uh, bias versus a, a headcanon or something otherwise, like all of these things have important merit and why we continue to drive them home, because there are so many viewpoints that need to be acknowledged as headcanon before they are acknowledged as being in any way, shape or form, uh, total or utter fact. They are theory the idea of perceived theory the idea of perceived fact and whatnot uh is is something that continues to grow within a society as a whole Uh, i look back on uh something for instance that i brought up to somebody before the theory of relativity is a theory Mm -hmm. it's a very practiced theory but it's still called a theory for a reason even if it happens to be about 500 years old uh I look back over it like the theory of gravity. The same holds true there. Uh, particle physics and and uh, molecular structure, how uh, space and exiting, et cetera, can end up working and moving. All of that is theoretical. And even if we start talking about some points in history, I bring up Sun Tzu as often as I do. There are still points within there that we don't necessarily know about. I bring up the idea, too, of how... Uh, a, a a strategist didn't uh, exist previously, and then all of a sudden, Sun Tzu pops up, and there's a strategist. You know, these are these are things that uh, are very important when we kind of discuss this uh, this this idea. Basically, when we talk about bias. Anyway, I'm uh, I'm carrying this on a little bit too long. No, uh, don't, it, don't mind me.
1: No, you you're you're not really because if you think about trying to remove bias, the scientific perspective is probably one of the easier ways that I can assimilate it in the fact that you're not, you you don't remove bias. You don't, you acknowledge that it is there and you can um, make an informed decision based off of all the information around you, not just assuming that one is correct over the other.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the foundation of the scientific method is to yeah, not, it's absolutely. not to, it's not to neutralize. It's to in, in as so far as much as possible, it is to identify and take into account for it. Right. Because that's why mm-hmm. one of the, one of the, pre, like one of the like golden rules of scientific uh, exploration is, um, repeatability. Like mm-hmm. if you can't repeat, like you, if you can't repeat it, then it's not, It it was a, it was a fluke. Right. You know, um, the other thing I'm going to
2: say that's, that comes down to like Sigma, uh, Sigma standards and whatnot as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. still sitting and dealing with as well. Uh, and like the, the whole idea of having a, a thing similar to scientific method, uh, is to also make sure that people go into something, uh, with, with some type of, uh, general accepted doctrine towards, ex- uh, approaching a theory, uh, Anyway, just to add on to that a little bit. Um
0: the other thing real quick beard is the other thing that came to mind. I <clears throat> I know everyone knows I love my quotes. Um it's a it's an old Aristotle quote, but it's a, it's a pretty pretty good one I think in regards to what you were talking about just a, just a few minutes ago. Uh it goes it is the mark of the educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. And I think that kind of sums up really nicely mm-hmm. what you were talking about. Right? Is the is the idea of I can entertain what you're saying, but mm-hmm. that doesn't. But entertaining what you're saying and entertaining opposing view doesn't mean that I agree with it. I I do this a lot. I mean, I I think and and, and I think everyone does this quite a bit more than you realize. Right. If you're ever in an argument and you can find if you find yourself being like, okay, I can kind of see where you're coming from. I don't agree with you, but I see you like I can I can at least understand where you're coming from. If you to form a logical argument, you have to have a degree of that because that's how you counter argue. Like, I mean, I, I, you can't, you can't have a counter argument without being able to at least to some degree. I mean, I guess you could, if you just want to insult people, but that's not very effective, you know, like in order to actually win an argument, not by badgering, but by actual like winning the argument or winning the debate, you have to understand where the opposing uh, side is coming from. And I, I think that's, I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind, too, especially kind of going into biases, because kind of to pull this back into the concept of of bias. You know. We've we've kind of mentioned cognitive biases and cognitive biases, a, a chat chat actually was talking about um, the what's one that's called the rosy retrospection. It's the good old days air quotes on like, you know, mm-hmm. um, oh, destiny one you was want- so much better. No. Not necessarily like there, There might be some cases in and, and, and this is this transits into the conversation of like, well, what do you mean by better? Because mechanically, there might be things that, yeah, they might have done, quote unquote, but I mean, but everything is opinionator, right? It's 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 all in the, the eye of the beholder, if you will and so when you say uh the good old days that's that's often a form of what's called rosy retrospection which is a psychological um bias or a phenomenon of people basically judging the prior events as better uh nostalgia is a is another kind of phenomenon that ties into this very closely and that that it's just, it's just not true like it's uh, a lot of um a lot of people are like, you know, these are just, you know, the bad, this is just a bad time to be alive. And it's like, no, actually, it, it's actually really good. If you look at all the historical, like mechanic, mechanical facts of what is going on in, in the world today, we actually have a pretty good life. Like we, we have, I don't know, modern medicine. That's a pretty cool thing. Um, you air, know, conditioning.
3: air conditioning, oh air yeah. conditioning, penicillin, Thank
0: penicillin God. is kind of useful guys, <laughs> you know, just, just a heads up there. Um, you know whether or not you're allergic to it that's a whole different conversation but like the fact eh, that we have modern medicine there's ways to work around that right right the fact that the vast majority of humanity is able to live past the age of i don't know 6 months is a pretty big deal like In, in, and that, and that's, I mean, just, just, that's just in the last couple hundred years that that has, that has changed. So, like, there, there's a, there's a, it's called rosy retrospection, is, is a particular uh, psychological phenomenon. Um, and that's, that's just one. I mean, there's over, like, I think there's over 180 recognized cognitive biases currently. And, I mean, that's just the ones that have been documented. And those are unique. Like, they're, those are, those are separate, unique biases. Um, And a lot of a lot of times when you're in a conversation with someone who is like feeling a bias or is expressing a bias, there is a lot of times where those are actually blends of different types of biases. Uh, You know, not any one person is going to have this like there is no one that has the same point of view as another person. That's both the beauty and the annoying thing about humanity is everyone has their own point of view and their own will of how to react to that point of view. And we see that in, you know, kind of going back into the concept of perception, you know, which is what Purple was kind of mentioning earlier, is like there's no way to neutralize that. Actually, that's that's something that you want. You want to have differences in perception because by having differences in perceptions, you get different facets and you get different uh, 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 points of view. And those different ranges will basically hopefully eventually culminate in a better picture of reality that you are experiencing that you are that you are living in right And and that's the that's both a philosophical and a realistic argument as from a scientific empirical standpoint as well, the more par- the more paradigms that you can that you can synergize the better overall picture of what you're getting will become, you know, the more that you will neutralize the rose tint of the glasses through which we look at reality is hopefully that's 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 ultimately the end goal of not just recognizing biases, but that that's the end goal of recognizing those biases is so that we can take it into account.
1: So let's talk about some of the biases in Destiny. Yeah,
0: I think that, uh, Purple, I know you had, um, I know we had hmm. mentioned last episode the difference between dynamic and static storytelling. Do you want to kind of explain what those kind of, what that kind of means as far as like, this was back, I think it was in uh, March of last year. So it was around episode 123, I believe. Um, I don't, I don't remember how much we got into the dynamic. It's the dynamic versus static uh, presentation of storytelling and lore, but I know we mentioned it. Do you want to, you want to kind of explain what that means and the differences?
3: Sure. So basically, um, like a static story is like a narrated story arc, right? Um, obviously, even narrated books can get quite complicated. Um, but with at some point, they are contained in a box, whereas dynamic storytelling is like more sandboxy. Right where you create an entire world and people are interacting and things are much more complicated, um, and you have different perspectives. Um, so that's like real life, more like real life is because, as we mentioned previously, there's not ever one answer for anything in real life, um, and that's kind of the direction that we're going. With destiny lore <laughs> as they expand um, and and complicate the storyline um, it gets more complicated and there's less um, black and white good and bad kind of um, characters
0: so it's more real than fiction
3: right it's it's more realistic um, in so far as the um, connections between people and the um, and the narrations of the story,
0: because I remember, I think I can't remember if it was with us or during one of the podcasts uh, with Baxter and Kex that you had made a comment about that was actually the fun part about video game, you know, analysis is that it's yeah. it's inherently you, you inherently have a <laughs> box of rules that everyone knows, right? And those, those rules can change, but if they change, everyone knows them. Whereas with like reality, it's like, what is going on? We have no idea historically what this person's life was, you know?
3: Right. Like in, in real life, I can find a box in the attic of letters (laughs) and I can spend my whole life tracking down who these people are and never learn anything about them. Right. Right. It sounds like um, you're talking from, from
0: experience this.
3: there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if they're dead, then you can't ask them any questions. Right? That's
0: it's as really morbid of a comment as that is. That is, that is also <laughs> fascinatingly accurate because it goes back into, you know, like I mean, honestly, you could say that about someone who's alive, too, right? Uh, you know, in right. Des- sometimes people going- don't want to answer your question, right? In destiny, we have we have characters who are alive and well, and they are just as if not more mysterious than some of the ones that we we don't have alive and well.
1: Zer, right?
0: Pop, pop. <laughs> well, I mean, right. so Zer, Mara, you know, and you know, yeah. there's there's a number of, uh, you know, Shin, you know, is a big it's going to be a big one here in a couple of weeks. You know, there's there's a number of ones that are out there that are just as mysterious if not more so than some of the the quote-unquote gone ones
3: yeah well and the point that i was making with the video game comment was that i know because this is a curated set of information that i have been given by a group of storytellers right Mm -hmm. so there might be something that's a red herring right but a- everything they put in they've put in for a reason. On purpose. Right? So, like, if there's something that causes us to go down a, a rabbit hole, like, take the um... <sighs> <Rezalizier> thing, right?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um... We didn't have all the information at the beginning, we right?
1: We still don't have all the information, well,
3: technically. Well, well, yes, sure, but... Um, you know, we as a community drew a, se- a series of varied conclusions based on the information that we had. Then Bungie said, Okay, here is the next set of information. Now you have new information that you can add to. And like, oh, now we have more information. Let's change, you know, what we know. That doesn't always happen in real life. And sometimes something that you as the researcher think is important. The person who created the document didn't think was important, and so they make one comment about it, and then they never say anything ever again. And then you don't know if it was ever important or not. Stupid hunter outfit,
1: hunter. <laughs> well, what was it, I, it class I mean, items?
0: It was class items. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To to just clarify real quick, though, I I will or I want to go back real quick because I would argue that. So the way um, this feels like splitting hairs, but the way that the probably information, is. yeah, it probably is the way that the information was revealed about the Resolazir slash your event that does, that does mirror reality. However, I think, sure. I think what you were saying is that Bungie knew the end before we even got the beginning. And that's what doesn't mirror reality, right? It's, it's a narrated, yes. it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a controlled it's a drip of specifically, information, specifically uh, engineered, right? I think would be the word right green that you're going for. Mm-hmm. It's like specifically engineered uh, process and a controlled, it's, yeah. Whereas, whereas it might be it 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 was because like I remember when we were talking to John about like actually about that the the way the example that I keep going back to is the the exploration of the Great Pyramid or the pyramids, right? You would you would have everything that you've excavated and you're like, all right, this is this is 100 percent how these people lived. And then someone trips and falls through a wall and, oh, everything just gets thrown out because there, now you have new context and you have to yeah. have that fluidity. But the difference between, you know, reality and destiny here is that there's an illusion of that dyna- dynamic, dy- bleh, bleh, bleh. let me let me back up and try to dynamic. Talk. Yes, that word, which I don't know why that word gave me a twist. There's a there's a there's the illusion of the story being dynamic. But in reality, it really is actually pretty static
1: in the in the the definition perspective.
0: It's static in the
1: uh uh, the perception of the actual writers.
0: Correct. It appears dynamic. Right. And even even to a degree, you know, that's where that's where. The mature conversation of retcons, not the let's throw it against the wall and hope it sticks conversation. But like the actual use of the narrative tool of retconning, that is where that comes in, because there are events that even within a static story need to be treated dynamically. If Does that, does that phrase make sense to anyone else or was that just in my head?
3: I mean, it made sense to me. <laughs> okay. okay,
0: okay. I was like, I, I said it, I'm like, that was possibly really good. So like even in a even in a, a book, even in a work of fiction, there are events that you have to go back and clarify and possibly tweak. And that is where the tool of Retcon actually comes into play. And that's not always a negative thing, because that's often often what helps build... The illusion of a dynamic world, right? Is oh, hey, this is a bit of information that you didn't have yet, and here's what's going to be used to clarify. I mean, Resol, the Resol Zero arc is a, is a amazingly great example of that entire illusion slash reality um, of what was going on between between us as consumers and Bungie as the creators of what is being consumed.
3: Okay. Yeah, and and I think, like, the, the thing that I, I love the most about it is, like, having the ability to, to go through all the lore that we have, and all of the flavor text that we have, and knowing that someone put it there for a reason. So any one of these things could be important and could show up later.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Um, the
1: some of the things that what Beard was finding at the beginning of D two that we were like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. Why? Why is this here? And he finds like that one line back from that one card from that <laughs> one item.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just, it's it's the difference between. Like going through a curated box of item of, you know, a curated puzzle Mm
0: -hmm.
3: versus Mm -hmm. like, I like that going through someone's house and like some of that stuff is important and some of that stuff is not important and you don't know.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, I like that example actually, because it's like, we've been given a box of a 5,000 piece puzzle. You can give, you can give a different person the same size box of handwritten letters and it's going to be completely, you know, different because the puzzle right. has an the puzzle has an end. the The puzzle right. has a purpose. It has a telos or whatever you want to refer to it as. There is a point at which the puzzle is complete and you see the full picture for what it is. Whereas with the box of handwritten letters, it's like, well, I don't know. These could be, you know, th- we don't know. Like we have no idea where it ends, where it begins. Like what is the purpose of some of these? I think that's this different. Mm-hmm. That's really the I think that's a great way of looking at the difference between a dynamic and a static a true static story. The static would be the puzzle and the dynamic would be the box of letters.
1: Yeah. So do we want to dive into the one that I know Purple's kind of chomping at the bit to get to <laughs> with the Drifter lore? You mean a
0: Drifter's Gambit?
1: <laughs> oh man. So okay, Drifter. Or
0: is that is that actually the one? Or is that the one? Or is that is? uh... Oh yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: That's the one that I've noticed her talking about. Don't let me step on your toes or anything, Purple. But that's (laughs) the one you've mentioned to me multiple times. I
3: mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So. What started off on this whole thing was I was trying to write a summary, you know, like (laughs) it's my job to do, to write these nice summaries. And I was like, oh, I'm having a good time writing summaries about books, right? Instead of having to click through 4,000 item descriptions Mm -hmm. for the other categories. I was like, I'll just keep writing summaries about books. And then I got to Drifter's Gambit. And I was like, we're in a fight now. (laughs) (laughs) because here's the thing all of these entries are very clearly that the renegade is writing they're very clearly biased against the drifter right the renegade he does not like the drifter he she they i don't know
1: until the end Until the well, very end. There's but some you, sort he of still
0: doesn't really like him. No, he yes. doesn't.
1: He doesn't, but he's he uses, utilizes. Yeah, he know. he
0: sees a use for him. Or they go. see a use for him, I guess, to be fair to Purple's comment there.
3: Mm. So, yeah. So but we know so little about the drifter from any other perspective. I mean, this is really the the biggest chunk of information we have about him, and I just don't feel comfortable writing any kind of summary aside from like, here is a series of entries about how the re- a renegade feels about the drifter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so like, it's here we go. Like, we need another perspective in order to make some kind of generaliz generalizing statement about the drifter so i don't know if that will make sense if anyone hasn't read it but
2: i mean i i always just thought we could just call him a cannibal and move on but
0: <laughs> be- beard, beard beard just gave the tactful answer that i was going to give because i have i, mean, I have a summarizing statement about him but i'm not gonna say it on this show
2: I mean to be fair as well we even when we get something from Drifter it still seems like it's mired in a lot of like really reclusive fog uh even when we get stories that are told of him doing things out on patches of land it still feels like it's mired in this like unnatural idea of him just being a a storyteller which you know that's really it really grabs at like, what being a hunter is almost all about, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, they rely on tales and they rely on hearsay, so why not push that to the nth degree? Uh, that's all that it really feels like to me whenever I read almost anything about the Drifter per this point, which gets into a completely different topic of discussion that I will not go down just yet, but uh, just saying, I, I don't know, I don't see a lot of... Uh, i don't i don't see a lot of stuff that's going on with him that i've been able to believe to this point yet uh even when it's like sitting in front of my face i'm just like this guy is the the constant thing that we get even from like kind old eva is he's not to be trusted uh that's the the biggest thing overall that i i continue to sit back and go uh-huh sure
3: okay anyway I mean, I'm not saying he should be trusted.
2: (laughs) Oh, I'm not saying that you think that either. I'm I'm just (laughs) saying that we're constantly, from like anybody that's like outside looking in, especially like somebody like Eva, who I would say is a very good judge of character, where we consistently get this notion of don't trust him. I'm like, all right, I'm just not going to trust him or anything he has to tell me. I mean, I don't see the harm in this right now.
1: Well, okay, so the Drifter's Gambit book specifically is written with that bias. Can we trust everything that, that that the renegade says himself? We're talking about not trusting Drifter, but because it's all biased in the text itself, because it's only from one perspective, only from a very um, opinionated gentleman or female or thing can we even say a hundred percent that we can
3: trust what they've written because of the biased? I mean, that's the thing, right? So we don't know who this character is. We Correct. don't like, is
1: we, we can assume, but that's right. not we giving have us guess. <laughs> oh,
2: right? I've got some assumptions. Let me tell you.
3: <laughs> we, we have some some guesses. Some might mm-hmm. even be educated guesses, mm-hmm. right? But we don't know. And so, like it, here, we get into things like, all right, all of these are tagged with like a renegade's observations of a drifter,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right? So, is he observe the renegade observing these in their diary? in a a recorded log that they're sending back to the vanguard. You know, like you talk about things differently depending on your audience, right? I write about an event in my personal journal using different words and different vocabulary, different phrasing than I would if I was going to tell my best friend about it. That's an interesting perspective. Different than I'm going to tell my boss about what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, the same the same event that happened to me. Right. You know, so so this is another thing. Like, regardless, if setting aside the moment for the moment about whether the renegade can be trusted to tell the truth, like maybe the renegade did see all these things happen, right? But you're going to write about it differently if you're just writing for your own sake than if you're making a report to somebody.
1: It's you, you can't even
3: gonna, what kind yeah, of
1: somebody's like, writing in on this one either.
3: Like, right? Like, we don't. We don't know. Like, it's in quotes. It sure sounds like the renegade is talking to somebody, but it could be a a log. You know, maybe they don't have paper journals in in the future maybe they have you know starship captain logs that would be interesting so think, maybe it's a, a auditory version of a journal well you know, and i think maybe it's not.
0: An, another example that you might that I, I immediately thought of purple when you were talking about that is um I don't know if everyone has had a chance to see Solo yet, but there's a there's a scene where um, Lando or uh, Donald Glover, who plays Lando, is uh, in the Millennium Falcon, and he's he's writing or he's recording a drama, but it's like a dram- dramatic retelling of quote adventures that he had. That's that's also kind of like you know with the uh, the um, ancient apocalypse armor where we have the recordings from the drifter for posterity part one of five or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like he's writing, he is recording that with the intent, like the intent is there to be shared. You're not, you're not writing. And I think that's, I think I've, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating that, but I think that's what you were saying, right? It's that the intent of create, the intent of the created content is just as important, if not more so than what is being created because it, it tells us how how it's, it, it, um, it determines the flavor in which something is made.
3: Would yeah. that be, would that be and an then, accurate
0: uh, summary of what, that, what you were saying?
3: Yes. And then the other thing, to put another layer on it, because we don't have enough layers, you know, um, You're an onion. is <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, why is the renegade observing the drifter in the first place? So, like, there's a difference between the renegade is at the tower. The vanguard says, hey, there's this creepy guy doing weird things out in the universe. You should go find him and see what he's doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then off he goes, right? And he's like, man, I got to watch this creepy guy do weird things versus, like, here comes the renegade going about his business, doing something else, and happens to come across someone who's doing something that is interesting in that it co- in it brings it to his attention, right? Okay, now, like, this is a weird thing that I came across. Something happened to cause the renegade to pay attention. Maybe then later he gets, you know, loops in the vanguard or, you know, whatever else he's doing. But do, do you understand, when, like, the difference that I'm saying? The, yes. the intent of... Oh, right, because if, if the renegade is sent out from the beginning saying, this person is doing weird things, like, maybe bad things we don't know, and you need to observe them, then probably that person is going to view anything that person does as suspicious.
0: He's being sent in the world with already an angle.
3: Exactly. As opposed to, like, here's the renegade going off doing his own thing, and then he's like, wow, that's a person doing weird stuff. You know, that that colors it a different way.
1: Going out with an agenda versus not, or, like, just their own bias against the person. Right. Makes sense. It makes me wonder... So makes me wonder if the if the writer himself is technically biased against as a lifelong bias type thing, hinting at the the possible identity of him being Shen Malfer, which is kind of a theory that a lot of people tend to have at this point. Not
3: necessarily a true theory, but a theory. Yeah, um, I mean it's reasonable as as any others. I won't I mean, say any others, but that's probably not. He, I mean, he's not. I could come up with something that Savala. would make you doubt that. He's not Zavala,
1: so I mean, or at least God, I hope he's not Zavala. I'm already mad at that. <laughs> that one. would be really complicated. <laughs> that would be weird I have questions. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> well, but I think also the other thing too that this is pointing at, and you know, to hammer this home again, is that this points to the storytelling aspect that is what that that is destiny um because normally with a lot of stories we're used to being told things from a narrator's point of view we don't have that at all in destiny all the information that we've gotten is is from in game it's it's from the perspective of people in the world and so the thing too to remember is like like what purple is saying about the or about the renegade here is what is that person's agenda? and i don't say this i don't mean this nefariously what is that person's agenda everyone has an agenda everyone has a angle from which they are not only seeing things but also retelling those things Um, witness bias is a huge contention point within you know even reality as far as legal systems go You know, that's that's that is a legit concern. And that's the same thing that's happening here is you have to understand the individual who's telling it almost, if not more so than the individual that they're telling you about. You know, another Mm -hmm. another example from Destiny one is the Books of Sorrow. I mean, Mm -hmm. that that was that was a massive, massive information dump for sure. But it was also a giant piece of propaganda from From the hive, you know, for the hive and and so reading that, you had to take into account that, yeah, this is a lot of information, but did everything actually happen the way that we're being told here? you know, there's some things that didn't necessarily line up with other things that we were seeing and and so there's and that's not i know I know a lot of people will jump on that as quote unquote bad writing. But actually, I think that's oh, actually a it's sign just of like
1: real life.
0: Well, I mean, there's that. But actually, that's what I was going to go with. I actually, I think, if you have that type of discrepancy, that actually might be a sign of really, really good writing, because that means that they are actively writing from the perspective of the one individual, not from the whole picture, not from a narrator's mm-hmm. point of view. They're 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 mm-hmm. actively able to flip the bias from which they're viewing what is going on in the world. You have to understand. So much in order to be able to do that particular feat. Like that's why, that's why a lot of fiction stories are not written from a first person perspective because it's really freaking hard to write that way.
3: Yeah. If, if you've ever tried to plot out any kind of complicated narrative and then try to tell the story from only one character's perspective, and then you have to hold the whole story in your head, but remember what only this one character knows you
0: you have to (laughs) you have to "Ah." make you have to make yourself ignorant of your own world and and it just to me like i'm i've i've dabbled in like short stories and stuff and like i've tried it and i mean even like i've made i've managed to maybe do a little bit of it but it's it's it takes a ton of like mental energy to keep that balance because you at the same time you also don't want to share too much
1: right i think the thing that helps um combat that like a skill to, or a way to practice it is going into D and going into yes, a session yes. and where you have a a dm um talking to a specific character at the table who is the only one technically in the room You can you can do it two ways. You can literally force everybody at the table to leave except for the one character who's getting talked to or you can practice um, out of
0: character knowledge,
1: out of character knowledge and trying to contain what your character knows within a certain realm versus and not use the information until the person oh, tells you. Yeah,
0: that's so hard. It's
1: it's hard. It is really hard to do, but it's a good way to practice. Mm. If you're a, an aspiring writer who wants to write in that that kind of genre, playing D&D or role playing and only knowing the things that your character knows rather than knowing all the secrets of the realm. It's hard, but it's good so, to do.
0: So a, a tangent on that that I just... You, you're, you're talking about that just made me realize this. But, you know... I honestly think that with the so with uh, role playing games, I'm I'm really a big fan of this. But uh, we role play whenever we do role playing games, we actually do it through like Roll Twenty, which is an online mm-hmm. app. And one of the one of the sad things, actually, in hindsight, now that you're saying what you're saying, Green, is that OOC information is no longer a concern when you use a, an app like that. Because mm-hmm. you can just DM the individual character, right? So, so there is no need for people to compartmentalize information like that. And actually, I think that's kind of a, a sad thing because people are missing out. That's a really actually important skill that yeah. role playing actually did teach. You know, as far as like a useful, uh, useful real life skill. And I, I think that's interesting because people who might not have ever played an actual tabletop role playing game. Like, like the original, like cart, or paper and pencil, like legit paper and pencil, would have no idea that that existed. And that I don't know. I just from a psychological standpoint, I think that might color a little bit on where some of the confusion, maybe on the bias for games like Destiny, kind of maybe stem from. It. I I'd just be interested. I'm now my researcher brain is turned on. I'm like interested in like different uh, demographics of the the degrees of uh, not comp- comprehension is the wrong word, but the degrees of um, speaking out against quote unquote retcon and, and anger against misperceived bad writing or whatever. I'd be curious how many of those, how many people who are really outspoken against you know poor writing in any any game really, honestly, have actually experienced what you just described because I agree 110% with how you just described it. That is an extremely accurate example of what is going on within Destiny specifically is that we are playing a tabletop game in which we do not have access to the OOC information at all. Like, we have, we have no scope of what's going on and we're just rolling gather information checks and we don't know who's lying and who's not.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are characters in the game who do know and they're not sharing at all. Mara.
0: <laughs> and and that's Speaking. kind of the argument. That's actually the argument that's kind of going on in chat right now is like, you know, mm-hmm. that, that brings up the question is that necessarily a good thing, right? Some sometimes, and that's a valid point. Like some people play video games and play games to escape reality. They don't want that, right. and that's a fair that's a fair assessment. But um, the
1: thing is, is you want to be able to have the suspension of disbelief, right? That's the whole goal of the escapism is being able to immerse yourself in such a way that you can believe what you're playing.
0: Right, it's a fine and, line for sure
1: it is a fine line and there's i mean talk about our own biases pens and i joke about this all the time in chat um that his bias he has a bias against mara and the awoken Hmm. kind of royalty at the at the moment and i have a bias against zavala and the vanguard just i i acknowledge that i know that it is stupid but we kind of joke with each other a little bit about how ridiculous it is. And how our own biases color our perceptions of everything that's happening with them. So what happened with last week and Mara getting um, pissy with the ghost. Mm -hmm. So many people online were just furious about it. And I'm like, no, I would be pissed too. Because, I mean, if I was a queen and I had some pipsqueak ghost telling me what I should be doing, I'd be pissed. I can see it from her perspective. But
0: I mean, I see, I mean, again, that that's again, a situation where you can see it from both perspectives. Right. I mean, and, that, and I that's a
1: that, that. different right.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but I think that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's a content, like I can, I can get myself in trouble really fast going following that, that comment. Um, but I was going to say like, that is an excellent example of being shown the context, um, Of seeing two sides of the same picture. Because from Ghost's perspective, Mara is being very standoffish. She she is not being involved. We don't, like, you know, from our perspective or from Ghost's perspective, she is being a quote-unquote bad queen. Whereas from Mara's perspective, she's looking at it from a different angle. Maybe a bigger picture. We don't, I mean, to be fair, we don't know. But she has just as much right to respond the way she did to ghost because ghost i mean you know it's 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 that it's that age-old thing of like i mean yeah she might be coming down hard on him but remember ghost was the one that snided or that slighted her first mm-hmm. when it comes down to it you know that's that's kind of where her anger is striking a chord. I think, and I I think that might be because the vast majority of our perspective is from ghosts perspective. So we actually kind of naturally will align more from his frustrations because it makes sense from us. But I mean, we don't know what is going on. There is a bigger picture moving and you know, whether or not that, whether or not it's true that she is being standoffish, you know, that's, we don't know. We don't know the context of that. So her frustration. And also she
3: could be being standoffish and also be justified in that.
0: Right. That's what, that's what I was about to say. It's like, <laughs> you know, that, that makes me, it, and, and again, kind of pulling in, you know, a, a another tangent is it, it makes me think of the infinity war, right? With Dr. Strange where, he, you know, he's like, I've mm-hmm. seen, I've seen 14 million and only one works. And then he's like, I'm sorry. And then everything kind of goes to hell in a handbasket. But it's like, <laughs> the question is, is, so are you still on the path to the one? Are you still like, you know, there, there's, there's things that are done that in the short term might look bad, but in a long game or a long term gain actually end up being beneficial. And so the problem yeah, it's like is, lo- is that, lose the
3: battle, win the war. Yeah, you yeah. well,
0: You don't want a Pyrrhic victory, right? You don't want to lose. You don't want to win the battle to lose the war. You'd rather lose the battle and win the war. Right. So, I, I mean, and that's where, you know, and I, Beard, I feel Beard might jump in on me on this one, but that's where the question of strategy wise, you see the difference between Ghost and Mara. Ghost is more focused on the short term gain and Mara is more more focused on, you know, the overall war is the kind of the dynamic that seems to be presented right there.
1: I don't know if Ghost is necessarily focused on the short term gain because he's more he's he's focused on the awoken people because right now the latest things that we've been seeing with the Corsairs is a lot of them are very frustrated and angry and um, beaten down because of the continual cycle that happens. Mm -hmm. um, So we see that perspective of it. I don't know if it's necessarily a short term goal of ghost to, uh,
0: well, he's also in the trenches. Like I think that's what he says. If I remember correctly, it's like, you're not here where your people are suffering. Like um I d I sorry, yeah. I, I guess that would be a more accurate ghost is looking at it from inside the battle, whereas Mara might be more of a a uh the
1: general outside strategist.
0: Yeah, like the person who's playing chess as opposed to the person or the, the piece that's being played with, I guess if that makes a weird amount of sense.
2: This week's comments from him actually mirror that sentiment entirely. Oh, do they? Of okay. course, we we don't know if he had a response for Mara from when she absolutely lip lashed him. <laughs> um,
0: I I mean, regardless of how you feel, I I mean, like I I think that both sides had really good points, and I think they both kind of had. I I think they both got digs in that were valid. I, I I really do. <laughs> I I enjoy I enjoyed, I enjoyed the, uh, listening to Ghost's a little tantrum, and I enjoyed having right. Mara come down and being like, "Stop it!"
2: Yeah, no, I actually really like that part. It it showed a piece of her character that I was hoping to see at one point or another.
0: But yeah, uh, it showed it showed the one the, of the regalness. Like she, like she has a spine and it's not just, you know, she, I I, didn't know. I'll probably get grief for this, but it's not just a pretty face. Like she, she actually will back up the threats.
2: Mm -hmm. But, uh, the biggest thing that he had kind of mentioned was that, you know, he worries about those that are out and are fighting each and every week. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if they will ever actually see the, uh, the outcome of what it is that they're actually doing throughout this curse and this constant uh, this constant cycle that just keeps uh, going on. So, Did, just to back up what you were talking about. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to remember. Was was that when he dropped the the one the one is it Amrita who bleeds out?
1: Yes, Amrita. Was Am, Amrita. Or... She's the first one. Yeah, she's yeah, week yeah. one.
0: But I mean, is that wasn't wasn't this argument when he kind of mentions that she like she they have like he has to watch this every single time.
1: Technically. It, does she mention does the does the Techian mention that that is Amrita? We always assume that it's Amrita at the I end because she's 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 look. the one who's injured. But right, I don't remember right. if the Tekken is the one like if that I is can't. the floating Corsair, the same one.
0: I swear there was a line about her bleeding out. Did you guys did um I know Purple you had also mentioned Zavala and Eva?
3: Oh sure. About so, how perspectives change. Yes. Um so in the book Dawning Delights, the very first entry, which is called Lighter Days, um is well, one, it's a just it's a really great card if you haven't read it, or entry whatever you want to call them. Um, and it, it basically is a summary of Eva Levante's perspective on Zavala. Right? She meets Zavala is one of the first people she meets when she goes to the tower forever and ever ago. Um, and she thinks that he's really like stern and angry and Like, basically, he has no sense of humor, right? And she gets nervous every time he walks by. And then, like, here he comes and he makes a joke. And, like, she's kind of shocked, like, not expecting Zavala to be the kind of person to tell a joke. And then she's like, oh, now I've changed my perspective. And, and like, he's, like, he's a nice guy. Like, yeah, he's he's you know, the leader of the vanguard and he has to be serious a lot of the time, but like he also has a personality and a sense of humor and they're kind of friends at the end. So it was just a really nice, succinct, you know, one page summary of how your bias can change versus from one interaction with something.
1: Interestingly enough, I would say that all of the dawning delights Work to change our perspectives on all the characters that are in them.
3: Yes, I would agree with that for sure.
0: It makes me mm-hmm. that one was just the most. Right arm I think a bit more.
1: Hmm? <laughs> hmm. Hawthorne <laughs> punching, punching. Uh, what's his face in the nose? Yeah. Everybody yeah, messaged as, uh, as soon as that card drop. Everybody messaged me. I'm like, guys, I'm okay. I realize he's a jerk. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. I was like, <laughs>
3: "Oh man, oh that made me happy." Um, but uh, yeah, I just thought the Zavala one was the most uh, blatant, mm-hmm. obvious. I guess. Well, she just outright states it, which is yeah. nice.
1: Um, what about the man who called? They called Cade. That book. Did you have trouble writing a summary for that one? Uh, well, there isn't a
3: summary, so. <laughs> um, but it's a it's a different um, kind of issue, right? So I, I put that one next to um, a drifter's gambit because the drifter's gambit is like outsider's bias, right? We're watching the renegade have all these observations about the drifter and we don't know what the renegade's perspective is on the drifter, so we can't really draw a lot of conclusions about him. Right. But Kate is writing about himself.
1: (laughs) Because Kate is great.
3: Right. But because of the nature of being an exo, he is also unsure about a lot of things about himself. So every life, every life that he has, every number that he gets is biased. The next one is biased based on the notes the last one left. Which is a whole different situation.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Talk about the layers. The layers of interpretation. Interpreting your own... Oh, gosh. That would have been kind of a pain in the butt to write.
2: You mean interpreting the things that Clovis Bray left him to read? Yeah.
3: Mm. And then, like, once you you get into things like, okay, so how many times did he do this? Mm -hmm. Right? Obviously, he did it at least twice, right? Because he mentions having looked at the notes back before but every time every cycle that he leaves himself notes he's interpreting more because that's another layer of interpretation you know and like in history and we talked I talked about um primary sources and secondary sources um in the episode the Ishtar collective episode I did um about research bias and so now it's like the first set of notes is a primary source on that life. And then the second set of notes is, okay, now he's gone through and he's read all of these notes and now he's commenting on his interpretation of them. And then you get another layer of that. And then another layer of I mean, how many layers did he get? Six at the most, I guess.
1: Right. If we, if they're counting that, If they're starting at one instead of one,
3: unless unless they, yeah, but but we don't know that he did it every single time either, right? You know, we don't know. So, like, how convoluted does it get? How many interpretations? And did he did he erase the previous ones when he made the new ones? Don't know. Yeah. See, it gets convoluted. It gets complicated.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) For sure. Are there any other books that strike you that um, are just obvious? Like what about uh, Maricena? Is that <laughs> would you consider that having a lot of bias because of the perspective that it's written from?
3: Or... Uh, yeah. I think that the Maricena is a lot like the Books of Sorrow, right? The, they are told to the reader. And so there is a kind of uh, performance there. And then mm-hmm. you have to get into, like, okay, why are you telling me this, right? This isn't someone's mm-hmm. journal that we found. This is something that is being presented to you
1: true but what about the histories of things like okay when you're writing a historical paper or a, re- a review on an event
3: when mm-hmm.
1: when you're relaying that how do you prevent such bias within the paper itself because it's going to be written from a perspective that's how history a lot of times is relayed
3: right so when i'm when i'm writing um, a research paper, the first thing you do is there's a huge like preface or, or prologue where you talk about your perspective and why you're writing the paper, right? Why mm-hmm. I'm writing this book. Um, and so that will give your audience a, an understanding of your biases. That's the purpose of it. So whenever I come across a document that is made for public consumption that doesn't have that kind of prologue, then I immediately start thinking, okay, now I'm trying to guess what the person's motivations are for writing this, and how does that change the perspective and interpretations of their words?
1: Okay. Instead of just relaying what they said from their
3: perspective as wholesale. Right. Because if, if I'm telling a history, right, I can tell you the, like, I can tell you what happened during the Civil War, right? I can list all the battles that happened and I right. can tell you all, how many soldiers died and, you know, where the troops moved around, right i can also tell you the story of this union soldier and i can tell you the story of this confederate soldier and i can tell you the story of this runaway slave right and i can tell you the story of this town but the way that i study their information changes the way that i tell that story because if i'm a military historian i'm the only significant parts that i'm going to tell you are the the people that were important to the military strategy of that battle. Right. right? But if I'm a social historian, I'm going to talk about the this impact of that battle on the town. Right. What happened to the people who lived in the town? What happened to the mill workers? You know, so that's a different story. And it's going to emphasize certain parts and de-emphasize other parts. But I don't know what got left out in, in the story of the Awoken because this, because, you know, Mara didn't decide it wasn't important from her perspective. But maybe somebody else would have thought it was important.
1: Right. So, Gosh, it's just going from the Mars Center specifically because its it seems like such a dictated
3: history. Yeah, well, it is. But so are the Books of Sorrow.
2: But well, they're dictated. With the stuff that we also talked about last time. With the, These uh, books
3: are nice. uh, lies! <laughs> right. Well, and so, like, that's the thing with the Books of Sorrow, right? They are also a dictated history of their people. But we know enough about them to make guesses about the motivations of the author on why they were written. Right? So like, is it going to be different? I don't know Mara well enough to make this guess, but my first question would be, is the Mara Sena for the awoken people? Or for other people.
1: Ah, who's the intended audience.
3: You write your history differently. I talk about history differently if I'm talking to a person from, like, a local person or a foreigner, right? When I give a tour at the antebellum house, you know, The first thing I do when I walk in the door is I introduce myself and I ask them where they're from because we get people from all over the world. Right. Right. I'm going to tell that story differently to someone whose family has lived in the same town for three generations than I am to someone who's from China. Right. Like, it's just, it's the same story technically. Right. But I tell it differently because. Other people, outsiders need more context. They don't
1: need the nitty gritty too. They need the...
3: And then then you get into things like if if this is written, if the Marasena has been written to be propaganda for non-awoken people, right? Then Mm -hmm. it's like an ambassador. So then you have a layer of, okay, what does mara want other people to think about the awoken right you want to does she want them to think that the awoken are good people she might kind of change her language to make it seem better i don't know i mean i don't know because we don't have all the answers but do you understand what i'm saying like you present yourself differently as an ambassador for your country. And that's what, that's what it is, if that's who her audience is. Versus if you find something that's supposed to be internal, right? It's right. like an internal memo for a company versus like a public memo. They use different language, even if they say ultimately the same thing.
1: It'd be such a difficult thing to write, to mm-hmm. keep that in mind as, as well as, as a personal writer,
3: oh gosh the, the story. storytellers are just brilliant <laughs> uh,
1: interesting interesting and I wonder as far as like storytellers go if they when they're writing them, their stories I know that some are some writers take leads on certain types of stories we talk about John Goff and the uh, last word thorn story and the your story quite a bit mm-hmm. but um I wonder how many of them stay blind to certain aspects of the story to help write more authentically or if they keep that in mind and are able to separate like we were talking about earlier.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing, right? Because most of the time when, when we talk about like writing a novel, like you might have one or two people helping you, but for the most part, novels are written by one person. Right. Right. Like Jim Butcher, I'm sure has somewhere like a map in his house with colored string, <laughs> right? Like
1: with of all the crazy the things that
3: are happening. Oh God. Bung-
1: I can't even but, imagine
3: with that. Oh, so, but Bungie has a whole team, right? It's mm-hmm. not just one person. And so like, I don't know how they've divided up those things. Like if it were me, I'd be like, okay, you're on the Awoken team and you're on the Hive team, and you you know, so that like, here create your create the Vex, you know, histories and stuff. But they also interact with each other. So then, like, what do you have? Someone from the Hive team go and knock on on the Awoken's door, <laughs> like the Awoken teams come and knock on the Hive door, like, hey, we're gonna um, try to blow up your ship, <laughs> you know, like I don't know that works
1: yeah totally oh goodness just it's just mind-boggling to try to think and go through all the aspects that as a writer you would have to go through or as of the writing you have to keep in mind because keeping in mind the the audience and stuff like that is not something i always think about. Like who is this being written for? Like mm-hmm. um, obviously the Drifters Gambit one you can keep in mind for the most part that it the intent looks like it is journalistic type writing. I don't know if journalistic yeah. is a word, but it is, it is in my now. book now. Yay! Um, but <laughs> the the intent on other things you don't think about the audience. Like I've never considered that. The Mara was written not for the Awoken people, but for those of us who are unfamiliar with the Awoken. And it's not just yeah. a, a history book for their junior high kids, essentially, to go through if they have junior high kids. But right. uh, it's something for us to interpret for them and maybe slight propaganda like the Books of Sorrow. which Yeah, well, and
3: propaganda but whatever Oh, <laughs> sure but it's different and and chat brought up a really good point too that the means of acquisition changes because we i think kind of fall into this trap especially like with with ishtar then everything is in these nice neat little pages mm-hmm. and you kind of forget that like with the books of sorrow we had to go like find these weird things and bring them back to Eris and she had to interpret them for us. Like that's how we got those. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so like, um, these pages of the Marasena came out of bone whispers, right? mm Mm-hmm. So-
1: Interpreted bone whispers by Eris. Right.
3: Right. So it's not like this is literally a book. Like we call it a book right and you but like it's not like we were just walking around the reef and we're like hey someone dropped this book <laughs> right like there's no
1: first person account necessarily oh, it's an interpretation, oh, right
3: and and then it's like okay who interpreted them and like why were why did the bones have the story in the first place right was that the original intention mm-hmm. for the them to be discovered like did Mara write them and then put them in the bones because space magic and then that's what we're supposed to do or like did she write a book and then the bone like the creature ate the book and then absorbed you know, like it. absorbed the knowledge like I don't know
1: interesting so many little perspectives or just the whole I mean yes it's a video game and it has reasons for all the different things sometimes it's just like also is it just game mechanics as a way to
3: deliver the lore to us well sure yeah of course to... at some point we we will hit a point where it's like because video games oh right? yeah always um but but i feel like for the most part i really i have i have hit the because video games point very few times in destiny Like, in in comparison to what I would have expected, Mm -hmm. right? They they really do a very good job of trying to give a lore explanation for most things. You know, obviously, we can get into, like, um, balancing weapons and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that stuff. But, like...
1: Why is there a nuclear weapon with a black armory in the middle of the city by the (laughs) crater that we have to destroy? Because reasons. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure that one out, lore wise. Well, maybe we'll find out later. God, I hope so. Because right now, that raid is real confusing to me. Riven, I understand. Like, the lore reasons behind Riven make sense to me, the lore reasons behind the Scourge of the Past no clue at the moment.
3: Yeah. Well, and like, even if you look back, like, I think this is one of the things that gets so interesting when you get in, into these um, games like destiny that, that have expansions and, and where the company that's making them really interacts with the community. Mm -hmm. Because I think It's my guess that Bungie has realized along the way how much more excited the community is getting about the story than they originally anticipated. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you can look at, um, like, the card for Warlock from Destiny 1... Yes. Which is like, I mean, it's like, three, it's like three sentences. It says, warrior scholars of light, warlocks devote themselves to understanding the traveler and its power. A warlock's mind is an arsenal of deadly secrets balanced between godhood and madness. On the battlefield, those secrets can shatter reality itself. Like, that's pretty cool. That sounds really awesome. Like, I want to do that thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but like, if you look at the, the entry for Dawnblade, it's like a little tiny narrative. Yeah. I, I
1: remember cool. the whole, like when we got our first new subclasses with the Stormcaller and everything back in, uh, what was it? It wasn't even Rise of Iron. Was it Taken King when we got Taking those King. subclasses? Yeah. Taking King. With yeah. Night Stalker it's and the, everything, uh, the stories the, involved with all of them.
0: The Stormcaller had one of the best in-game mm-hmm. story explanations. Like the, and all of them did. Tevis had a great one. I uh, that was also where we got introduced to the, uh, was it Orobos? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the the Sunbreakers. Um,
0: mm-hmm. And the Stormcaller was really a explanation of our Guardians as powers surpassing even the Vanguards in some degree. It was like, we didn't really get introduced to necessarily a, a new character with the Stormcaller, but we got introduced to a new aspect of the impact of what our actions had done to the world. As far as like Ikora's response to uh, our training, which was really, really cool. Not to mention, we actually got to see like the meditation and stuff like that.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Oh, goodness. This topic is like a never-ending topic in some some ways. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Blue, what do you think? Is there something else we need to hit on? I'm trying to th- look through our our little mm-hmm. script thing. You did you want to go through the Dawn Blade card, Purple?
3: No, no. I was just bringing it up as a comparison because I think that um, I, I just think it's really interesting and and delightful how much um, Bungie has reacted to the community. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's not always something that you get to witness Mm -hmm. like when you are reading a book series just sits in their house or in their office or whatever writing and like do they read what people think and what the theories are about what's going to happen in the next book I don't know they don't ever talk about it if they do, you right. know, um, whereas Bungie like interacts with us as a community and the the writers interact with us and they answer our questions sometimes and sometimes they don't. But then we get really great little Easter eggs like Kindergartians is now canon. That's because of us, right? Yeah. Bungie didn't come up with that. like that's a thing that we got to contribute to the game that we love, which is just really cool. And like, will we influence the story? Probably not the overarching story. I don't know, but it's, it's just nice to know that they are listening to us and it makes me feel like they are trying to make the game Better for us and what we want. Whether or not they always succeed is a different issue.
1: <laughs> true. 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 Cool. Blue. Do we want to kind of figure out a wrap up for this, or how do we want to?
0: I think that's. I think that's fair. I mean, I. I definitely. You know, I have. I. I, I realize. Um, I have a growingly unique perspective on destiny from like a mechanic standpoint because you know I've said this a couple times. I actually rely on green and beard a lot to tell me what's going on in game because i I to be blunt don't have time uh to play the game as much um and also I have lost a lot of interest due to mechanics, not because of the story. I'm actually still endlessly fascinated if you if you were here for the live stream. You probably missed or you probably know that, given the geek out that we had slightly before we started recording about the upcoming information. Um, so, like my perspective is like reading the content and hearing about the experiences from people. Um, I think it gives us, it gives me a really kind of interesting uh, third person out out of not out of body, but like outside perspective, but it's an internal perspective because of the familiarity that, you know, with this group, you have to be familiar with the underlying lore and, and underlying um, paradigm within the Destiny universe as a whole. Uh, I, and it's just, to, to me, it's a really interesting because the biases in game uh, are really pretty clear i don't i don't know if that makes sense but like reading reading content it's very easy to analyze said content much more uh much less emotionally much more logically it's just easier because i'm not i'm not hyped up on adrenaline you know because i just got done with a raid when i got the information i I don't have that emotional connection that i think a lot of people and i'm not saying that's a that's a good or bad thing it's just a different perspective right and that's kind of the point of this entire this entire conversation um and i know beard and i've had a lot of conversations about kind of not necessarily that particular topic but about like bias and about perspective and um opinions uh, you know we we all all three of us actually purple even all of us really um have bounced the, the conversation about biases both in game and out of game around quite a bit. Um, and I, I just, I think that what, it, what that is all to say is that, you know, even if you don't find something, even if you don't find something supremely interesting from a particular angle, it doesn't mean that you can't get interested in it from a different angle, right? That's, that's the beauty of being able to shift bias or shift perspectives. Which is kind of also important when you're doing research. And I know purple, you have I, I constantly refer to your your <sighs> podcast about bias in research because I think it does an excellent job in, in summarizing what anyone who went through extensive research classes would have would recognize, right? That when I listen to that when I listen to that episode I immediately understood what was being said, but I also think that it does a really good job in presenting that information to people who might not have the, the, um, the academic context that I did to understand it. So like, I think it, it makes it accessible to everyone, which I think is amazing. Uh, you and Kex, basically.
3: Well, thank you. That was really my intention.
0: <laughs> right. No, and I mean it. It, it does. It, it really does. And I, I, I'm, I constantly am referencing that episode when I talk to people who are curious about like how to, like why that's important. That's a constant reference point that I give, as well as you know Kex's um, chart for uh, oh yes, validity. yes
3: confirmation chart the,
0: the Kex confirmation. Um,
3: uh, you know, I I yes. think
0: that those two, if you know, if you if you're still listening and you're you're interested in kind of diving into more of like the research side of it, which is definitely where I kind of am starting to fall, um, that's definitely a a good starting point if you're not familiar with that kind of concept, because it gives you, if nothing else, it gives you tools. To which you can keep, you know, you can keep a cheat sheet, I guess, if you will, on your on your table or on your desk or wherever you're doing, to kind of give you an idea of, like, okay, so you know, on referencing the Kex diagram, you know, here I'll flip it real quick. I literally have it sitting right next to me. Um, you know, Kex Kex kind of uses the concept of bias and the concept of perception, but he he approaches it more from from his actual job, which is law enforcement. Um, And so they they have to take into account validity of not just the information, but also the person giving the information. So the source of the intel, as well as what's actually being given. So it's got a it's got a dynamics uh, grid in which you can kind of plot out, you know, how useful is this information and how authentic is this information? And you want to, you know, that helps you because then if you're ever, if you're ever in a conversation or if you are ever, you know, if you guys, if someone's writing a script for, you know, content to be created or someone wants to do, you know, uh, uh, you know, role playing or, you know, whatever, it kind of gives you an idea of like where in the scope of possibilities and reality as a, as defined by this particular game world, it can be. And that, that to me is, it's a skill that definitely can, anyone can pick up. It it might it might be a weird way of looking at things, um, but, you know, it it is teachable, you know, and just like what we started off with. Biases are learned. Um, and so that's that's both that's both a positive and a negative thing. Right. It's like you can you can teach yourself. You can correct like negative biases can be corrected. Positive biases can also be. Corrupted, so you know it, it's a it's a dual it's a two way street there. But I think as far as research goes, the biggest thing again to kind of circle back and make this a full circle is is not the removal of the bias, but it, rather the recognition and um, uh, the recognition and acknowledgement of the bias. Now you can try to reduce the bias, but you have to also understand that the bias is always going to be there. You know. Uh, Cade's, Cade's, you know, lore entry, the man they call Cade, Cade recognizes that he is a storyteller. And from the very beginning, he recognized, he, he calls it out. He says, you know, I'm a storyteller and this is, I, I defer things. I, I, I deflect with humor, blah, blah. And then he, like, he catches himself and then kind of realigns himself. And that's kind of, that's exactly what is a good way of looking at that is Constantly keeping an eye on where you're going and kind of keeping an eye on, okay, what are, what's going on here? What, why are we doing that? That's a good, that's a good habit to build just not even just in game, but in life in general. And I think that's why for me, these type of conversations you, I mean, I've, I've been really quiet just because I've just enjoyed listening to it because this is the type of stuff that is, it's, um, it's not just accessible, you know, outside of game, but it's also important. Right. This this touches on a lot of really, really good life skills, ultimately, I think. Um, But I mean, and I can go on for hours about the psychological cognitive bias and stuff and like the different types of like hermeneutic phenomenology and how that how that can affect different things. I mean, there's 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 a very deep well, if you open it, can you can get sucked in pretty quickly. And it's not. And I'll be honest, as a person who kind of sometimes will live there, it's not always a bad thing. I mean, it's it's it it makes you it makes you aware of things that I think ultimately makes everyone better off. I I, I think that's really my my end is that you know bias is not a bias is not necessarily negative. Just the same way as retcon is not necessarily a negative thing like there there is a use for these these are tools, and they should be used, they shouldn't be ignored, they shouldn't be thrown away, but they also shouldn't be abused and I think that's where the challenge for me you know and and just like reality I think is <laughs>
1: I just, it's like, I can't, I don't know how to follow that. I'm sorry.
0: Well, and I, and I, and mm-hmm. I know that probably got like a little, I don't know, meta or whatever, but I mean, that's, that's for me when, when we talk about, like when I talk to purple and, or, you know, Baxter or, you know, Bif or any, any of the other career beard, green, any of these guys, like when I talk to them and we, we talk about, yes, we talk about what's going on in game, but more importantly, we talk about like how it all fits. It's, it's a giant puzzle. And for me, you know, as as a person who really, really enjoys putting puzzles together, that's where I get my my excitement. That's where my excitement comes from. My excitement doesn't come from, oh, my God, roll. I don't even know what gun is. I don't know. Like, I don't I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I could. Yeah. I could. Give, well, I'm, the, I,
3: I'm the same. Like.
0: So I, I mean, don't care. For me, is... Yeah, go for it. Go
3: for it. Well, I was to say like it's it's kind of a a running joke now. Every time I come my hair, you're like, "Let's talk about video games." Like I don't play video games.
0: Right? Yeah, I know. It's um, it, I'm it, getting I'm getting to the same point. So you, you and I will soon be on the same page there.
3: And yeah, and so like I I don't play them. This is the first first person shooter I've ever played in my life. And my husband played it for a while before he convinced me to start playing it and the way he convinced me was by telling me the story of the last word in thorn Mm -hmm. because i sat on the couch and i watched him shoot things and i was like yep you're shooting aliens that's the thing that you're doing (laughs)
1: that sounds like what julie says to me goodness
3: (laughs) right but then i was like oh that looks like a cool gun like what's that gun he's like oh it's the last word here let me tell you about it and all of a sudden now here I am right because that's more interesting to me
1: yeah I've stayed with this game longer because of the story than I have any other game
3: it's almost like stories are important you guys It's
1: almost like D1's, like, not having a story was a totally lot. What? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, goodness. Blue? Yes. Should we move on to shoutouts?
0: I believe that would be an excellent plot to course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Who do you want to go first, Captain Uh, O?
0: Stargate. Um purple, why don't you why don't you lead us?
3: Uh sure. Um I will give shout out to Baxter, who is super awesome, and the whole rest of the Ishtar team, who's growing slowly but steadily mm-hmm. because we are growing slowly but steadily as a destiny community. And I love all of you guys.
1: Yay. Baxter and Jazzy and all the
3: yeah, all the and, the Unisys and Aaron oh, and <laughs> so many people who are transcribing all these things that make it Red so Renegade and all of my transcribers I can't even list you all because there are so many of you I bless each and every one of you for recording all of those things
1: mm-hmm.
3: yes it makes it so much easier
1: so so much easier Blue or beard or blue?
0: I, yeah, sorry. Um, sorry. Weather Weather is getting interesting actually at the moment. Um, I I just I just really want to take a a quick second and thank everyone who's you know listening. Uh, you know, I I think that is just kind of similar to what Purple was saying about the team growing there. You know, the community with Focus Fire, I think is really you guys give us reason to keep exploring the biases and the perceptions that are in Destiny right and and, and I think that's that can't be said enough um, so I really appreciate that and I just wanted to give a big shout out there um, I do also want to give a heads up that I'm hoping to have a sort of big announcement um, this week next week I think uh depending on how much sleep i can not i can avoid and get stuff done um i'm hoping to have some stuff that i can put out hopefully here short shortly um but yeah that's that's all i got right now i know that's kind of a teaser but that's entirely what i wanted to go with
1: that's such a teaser
2: beard uh, i'll keep on my vague train why not uh just general Thoughts from my week, I suppose you could say, more than shout-outs over anything else. Um, if you have something you need to tell somebody, make sure you do so. Uh, they may not be there tomorrow. Uh, if you are worried about anything that might be going on in your life, just kind of count your blessings. Otherwise, uh, I know that that is easier said than none in some cases. Uh, aside from that, just... Uh, you know, if you need to talk with anybody, Lord knows I'm always here for it. I know this community is here for it. I know this community in general is pretty open for it. So uh don't be afraid to reach out if you feel that there's something that needs to be there. But know that we are all busy people and we will get to you as best as we can. Uh, Yeah, just uh if you gotta tell somebody you love them, just make sure you do. That's all I got.
1: Yeah. My shout-outs are going to be a little less vague. Um, my shout-outs are to the various community members who have reached out multiple times this last week. For me, just helping me out with my personal stuff, too. Because, I mean, we're we, are, we are all human. We all have our own personal stuff. Second shout-out goes to Purple herself their self, to just thank you for coming on and sharing your life skills because you literally do this for a job. Whereas we just do this for (laughs) a hobby. And I know I always learn something new each time you come on, which is pretty stinking awesome. So thank you for (laughs) jumping in with us again.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: Mm -hmm. It's always fun to come on with you guys. For sure. Even if it is super late for you. Yeah, it's definitely after
3: two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) But that's why we have coffee. Yes. Me, every week. (laughs) love your beard. I know, beard.
0: All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next week, and we'll probably stay for a bit of an after show with that we'll begin to wrap the chat up thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us if you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focused fire chat links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.